middle, seri- middle of a series called The Middle Man. Turn to somebody and say, you're a middle man or woman, whatever. You're a middle man or woman. And so what we're doing is we are looking at the lives of people who are supporting role characters in the stories that we read, in the history that we read in the Bible. And so these people, uh, they don't get the limelight. They're not the front man or the front woman. They're people who play these supporting roles, and they often don't get much credit. And so I think uh, it, it's good to spend some time because I think a lot of us are in a middleman position. In fact, I know all of us are. When you said yes to Jesus, you get, became a middleman between Jesus and the rest of the lost world. Okay, and so, so you are a middleman or a middlewoman. And so this is what we're talking about. So real quick recap, we started off by talking about John the Baptist. That's right, John the Baptist. Who you go, well, he's famous, he's huge. Yeah, but he's quickly overshadowed by a guy with a little bit more clout named Jesus. <laughs> and, and so he's important and then he's gone, right? So the thing that's significant about John the Baptist is that John the Baptist, his, his mission that God gave him was to point out who the Messiah would be. Okay? And so it was his job. When he saw um, the, the Holy Spirit come down out of heaven onto somebody who he baptized, he was supposed to announce that Jesus, or that that person was the Messiah. And so he does just that. And so what do we learn from him as a middleman? It's that we are made to tell people about Jesus. That part of of our job as middlemen and middlewomen is to say, you need the Messiah. I know the Messiah. You need the Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? Because people need to know about Jesus. Jesus is not supposed to be your little secret. Amen? All right, so the next person we talked about was Andrew. And Andrew, uh, he was Jesus' first disciple. Uh, and he's, he's really significant for a number of reasons. But one of the, the reasons that I feel, felt he's really significant, even though he's, he's only talked about eight times in the whole Bible, and it's like one sentence things, is that Andrew believed that Jesus could. Say, Jesus can. So you remember seeing 5,000 people or more on a hillside. Jesus says, we need to feed these people. And all the disciples are like, yeah, nah. That ain't going to work. Like, there's not, there's, there's no way, Jesus. You remember, Andrew was the guy who stole the fish and the loaves. Like, Give me that from the little kid. <laughs> the kid willingly gave him up. And, uh, and he went to Jesus. He gave him the fish and the loaves. He said, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe that you can do it. You know what's interesting is that if you and I as believers would start to really truly believe that Jesus can in every situation, can you imagine what Jesus would do? we got to have the same heart as Andrew. we gotta, we got to stand for the fact that we believe that Jesus can in all situations. And then last week we talked about Hannah, and uh, a middle woman of the Bible. And Hannah, like Andrew, she believed that Jesus could. But what's really, I think, significant about her is that she was faithful. Even when every circumstance went, went against her. Even then when she was ridiculed for even praying. She still believed that Jesus could. She was faith, or that God could, because this is Old Testament. So she, but she had faith that God could give her a son. And so because of her faithfulness, God was faithful to her. And she has this son named Samuel, who, by the way, anointed King David as king. And King David, his family lineage brought Jesus. So she was a middle woman for bringing the Messiah into the world. She was significant. And so uh, I'm excited about today. Today we're going to talk about uh, to somebody that you've heard the name. Uh, you might not immediately know where, where it's from or all of this stuff. But today, today I want to talk about Aaron, all right? Now you might be like, all right, I know Aaron, but I'm not sure where. Uh, Aaron is Moses' brother, okay? 
So before we get into it, let's bow our heads, let's pray, and, uh, and we'll get going. So Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for all of the people that are here today. God, I pray that this word is for them. And, and God, that, that they can put themselves into Aaron's story. And they can, from out of that, they can learn how to live maybe like Aaron did. They can make a choice to live uh, in the way that you want them to live. And so, God, I, I thank you for Aaron. I thank you that he lived. I thank you that he made these decisions and that we're able to read about them and learn from them and that they can impact our lives. So, God, as we're in the Word, I pray that you speak to us and that we have ears that hear your voice, hearts that understand what you're saying to us, and minds that want to live out the instruction that you're laying on our hearts. And, God, put me through a filter so I only say what I need to say today and nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so... Before I get into the story, let me ask you this question. And, and we got a whole mix of people in here today. But how many of you in here have children? Anybody here have children? Okay, a lot of you. Not everybody. Maybe you want children. Maybe you don't want children. Maybe God wants you to have them and you don't want them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, so have you ever asked your kids a question and they just looked right at you and were like, or asked them to do something and they're just like, no. What would you do, Right? Well, uh, I've told this story a bunch, so I didn't know if I told it in church or not. My wife thinks I did not, so I'll just say it real quick. The other day, about a month ago, we got one of those above-ground you know, pools that was not huge ones, but me- medium-sized kind of above-ground pool, and I had to like make a space for it and like level the ground. And we're out there working all day to get this thing set up, and now it's rained for like two weeks straight. <laughs> Thanks, God. Uh, where were you in that? I'm being faithful to you. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so we're working on it, and we're going to call it quits. It's the end of the day. And, uh, and Allison says to one of our kids, she says, hey, I want you to go outside. I want you to grab all the shovels and put them into the shed. Uh, and, and he looks at her, and I'm standing right across the room, and he goes, well, I'm sorry, Mom, but I'm not going to do that. Excuse me? You what? And, and as you can imagine, I was like, you're going to do it, and you're going to do it now. You know, <laughs> like, yes, you are. And so she's smarter than me. Allison is smarter than me. And she's like, you know what? You are going to do it, and you're going to scoop up all the dog poop in the yard. And you're going you're gonna to put away all the bikes. I don't care if they're yours or not. And you're going to go clean the toilet after this, and you're putting the dishes away after dinner. And he's like, no, 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 okay, I'll do it. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it wasn't really polite, though. He was really polite. He's, you know, I'm sorry, Mom, but I'm not going to do that. And uh, so, so anyway, just say that to kind of set up everything else that I'm going to say. Um, we start out not talking about Aaron, but talking about his brother, Moses. Okay? And uh, you remember, there's this crazy story in the Bible where God asked Moses to do something, and he says, No. Let me read it to you. Maybe you know the story, or maybe you don't. And so let me read it to you, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure out where Aaron comes into the picture. So it's in Exodus 3.1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. And Moses saw that, Moses saw that, that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up, so Moses naturally ran away in fear, right? No. Moses, so Moses thinks, hey, here's this crazy thing going on. I'm going to go over and see what it is, right? So he does. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever stood by a campfire and heard your name come out of it, 
<laughs> that would be an interesting situation. And if you told somebody about it, they'd think you were on drugs. <laughs> so Moses, without hesitation, is like, here I am, like talking to the fire, right? Verse 5. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And this, or at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So the Lord said, and this is, so the Lord now has his attention. And now he's going to talk about his intention. Okay. You, you, ever, you ever have that experience? God gets your attention. And if you, if you can get your attention, he will tell you his intention with you. All right, so this is what happens. So the Lord said in verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, thoseites, theseites, everyite. And now the cry of Godsites, the Israelites, has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, so now go. Everybody say go. go. He said, I am sending you. Everybody say you. you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Where did he just run away from? Egypt. So God says go. Verse 11. But Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, Moses says, no. So after this, God is not happy with that, you know, answer. Who am I? He goes, well, doesn't matter who you are because I will go before you. How many know when God goes before you, it doesn't matter who you are, God will do amazing things, right? So he's like, just go and I'll go with you. He's like, well, well, what if they ask me what God you are? And he goes, well, you tell them who I am. I am the I am. I'm the Lord. And he, said, he gives them the whole thing to say. He said, well, what if they don't believe me? You ever have a kid do this? Well, why? Why? I don't want to do that. Why do I have to do that? You know, can, can, can somebody else do that? This is what he's doing. He's going through it. And God just keeps coming back with the answers. How many people would like all the answers? Moses got them. He's like, well, what if they don't believe me even when I say all that? He says, well, you see that stick you got in your hand? Throw it on the ground. It becomes a snake. Now, I hate snakes. Any snake bigger than this is going to die in my presence. But Moses <laughs> throws down the staff, and it turns into a snake. And he looks at it. He goes, that's cool. No. And God says, well, put your hand inside your jacket. So he does. He puts it in. He pulls it out. It's like it's got leprosy. Skin's falling off of his hand, all this stuff. He's, you know, I mean, imagine he's like, whoa. And, and so God says, put it back in your jacket, take it out again, it's healed. He goes, wow, that's a cool trick. No. <laughs> and God, God is like, are you kidding me? Like, what do I have to do? Like any sane human being would go, all right, I think I believe it. Not to mention there is a tree on fire that is not burning and is speaking to him. <laughs> he's, he's saying no. What is wrong with this guy? So anyway, in the end... This is Moses' response, Exodus 4.10. By the way, it was a whole chapter of God trying to prove that he was big enough to do this with Moses. Okay, so here it is, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So he suddenly develops a stutter. 
He's like trying to do everything. So God, the Lord said to him, he said, who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? God really is like a parent here, like to our son. Like, like, who put this roof over your head? Whose fridge do you eat out of? Who makes you dinner every single day? Pick up the shovel. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> God's like, who? What? You can't talk? Who even made it so you could talk? Who is it that makes people have sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Everybody say go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. In other words, he said, I'm sorry, God. I'm not going to do that. Just like my kid. So naturally, God's ticked, right? Exodus 4.14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. This is, again, a parent thing. Like, if the, picking up the shovels is too hard, get your brother. He knows how to do it. He'll help you do it, right? So he says, I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. In other words, what I say to you, he will do because I said to do it. Okay, so this is where Aaron comes into the picture. And, and so what's interesting uh, about Aaron is, is Aaron is actually Moses' bigger brother, older brother. Okay, so just imagine the older brother's like, really? I got to go help him? Now, not only that, but Moses isn't just a younger brother, but he's the spoiled brother. Okay, because remember, Moses didn't grow up at home working at whatever thing he had to do, you know, because they were all slaves to the Egyptians. No, Moses got to grow up in Pharaoh's mansion, getting everything he wanted. And don't tell me that Aaron didn't know that Moses was his brother, because you know mom and dad were probably like, oh my gosh, look at Moses. He's in the, look at him. He's so favored, right? And so Aaron is the older brother who watched his younger brother grow up in the lap of luxury, and now he's being called to go and do the dirty work for his younger brother. So, I wonder how Aaron will do with Moses. Well, let's find out. Hold on. So, Aaron's brought in to be the sidekick. Uh, again, he's the older brother. Uh, this is, I think this is really fascinating about Aaron. Remember, you remember why Moses ended up in Pharaoh's house, right? It's because Pharaoh had made the decree that they were supposed to throw all of the baby uh, boy uh, Israelites into the, into the river, right? They were supposed to drown them. Um, this, is this is just fascinating to me um, that Pharaoh, so, well, rewind. This is cool. So do you guys remember Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat with Donny Osmond, that guy? <laughs> Donny Osmond wasn't the first Joseph. Uh, the, so Joseph, if you remember that whole story, Joseph's brothers, they, uh, they're jealous of him, so they sell him to slavery. He ends up in Egypt, right? In, in long story short, he ends up becoming the high priest, second in command over Egypt. And because of him, there's this big, what, because of his, his family is saved during this big famine. So uh, he predicts, God tells him it's going to happen. He tells Pharaoh, and when the famine hits, he asks Pharaoh if he can have the greatest land in Egypt, and he brings his family to Egypt. And if you've ever wondered, how did the Israelites end up in captivity in Egypt? It's because Joseph got them there. But they weren't captive. 
they were sharing the land, and it was the best land, and it was the most fertile land, and so they flourished, and they grew in numbers, and it became really big, and they, they were doing so well, Pharaoh realized that there were more Israelites in Egypt than there were Egyptians, and that if those people figured it out, that they could overthrow the Egyptians, that they could rule that, that country and rule that land. And so he made this decree. The first decree was that the midwives who were delivering these Israelite babies were supposed to actually themselves murder the babies. Okay, But this isn't going to work because the midwives are Israelites themselves. These women that they're delivering babies for are the people they do life with. They're family. They're friends. And so they're not going to follow through with this. And so sure enough, they don't. And so Pharaoh is trying to figure out a way that, they, that he can try to get them to, to kill these Israelite babies. Okay, so he makes a second decree and he says, now what I want you to do is, is either a family member or the midwife has to take the baby down to the river and throw them in the river and just walk away. Then you don't have to be the one doing the killing. Then it's up to God if they live. So he's playing on the heartstrings of people who trust God but he's not a godly person. So he's twisting. How many know the devil likes to twist God's words? Okay, so it only naturally, when Moses was being walked down to the river, there was nobody questioning, nobody confronting, saying, hey, Moses, you know, hey, you're going to save that baby, because naturally they would walk to the river and throw the baby in the water. So we, could, we can assume, it's not written in the word, but we can assume there was no resistance to them walking to the water. Little did they know there was a basket there, and they had this whole plan, right? So what's interesting is I think, uh, as far as the timeline, historians think that Aaron was born during the first decree. So he was saved because of, because of the Israelite midwives and ladies who were like, no, uh, that's not God's plan for these kids. How many know that just because your or, or origin story isn't found in the Bible, that you are still significant to God? See, Aaron was still significant. He still had a really important part to play even though his origin story wasn't there. Moses's was. Aaron's wasn't. But he still was a game changer. He was a middleman for the Lord and for Moses. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, Pharaoh's decree started out. All this stuff happened. And so here we are. So, so Aaron traveled to go and meet Moses. And uh, he basically did everything that God or Moses asked him to do without hesitation. So here's my first point about Aaron. Aaron was willing. Everybody say he was willing. Okay, and, and so we're going to get into a place in this message where I'm going to talk about you. And are you willing to do what God asked you to do? When God spoke to Aaron, he did not hesitate. He did everything God wanted him to do right now. Okay, and what's interesting is Moses is not the only person that has an encounter with God in this Egypt story. Okay, Aaron actually had an encounter with God too during this whole thing. So it's in Exodus 4.27. It says, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And so he went. What a stark contrast. Aaron and Moses. Aaron is asked one statement. Go into the wilderness. Meet Moses. And he's like, all right. And he goes. Moses spends an entire day telling God no. Yet Moses is the one that we all know and we all celebrate as the leader who took him out of Egypt. It's, it's a complete opposite situation. And, and so, again, I have to say Aaron was just willing. He was always willing. And so we see this contrast between Moses and Aaron, and we don't just see it there. We see it all the way through. Moses really isn't willing, and Aaron is. Moses is all about himself. Aaron is all about God. What, what do I mean by that? Well, do you remember why Moses left Egypt? It's because he saw an Israelite slave being whipped 
by one of the guards. And so what does he do to that guard? He, he kills him, right? And so God didn't tell him to kill the guard. He did it because it's what he wanted to do. And then he flees from Egypt. God never told him to flee from Egypt. It was what he wanted to do because it was all about what he wanted, right? He said no to God. Why? Because he didn't want to go back to Egypt. And, on the, and so he's all about himself. He's all about him and his situation, what he wants. But Aaron was all about what God wanted. Aaron, Aaron, his whole life was all about what God wanted. So I have to bring this question into play here. Is are you, are you all about you? Or are you all about God? Are you willing to be the middleman even if you don't get the notoriety and you don't get the fame for it? Because Aaron, Aaron was willing no matter what. In fact, Aaron's it, it, interesting. He was a Levite and he was already training to be a priest. So he had already said yes to God. His whole life was all about God. It wasn't about himself. So really, who do you want to be like? Moses? Or Aaron? See, we all want to play the fame game. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants notoriety. Everybody wants to be the person to get all the accolades. But when in reality, some of the greatest things that were ever done for the kingdom of God, and in the world for that matter, were done by people who never got the credit. They were the middlemen, the middle ones. So... Anyway, Aaron is Moses' right-hand man. He does everything to help, help all this stuff play out. And, uh, and so I want to just talk about a few things that, that Aaron did and, uh, and that, that maybe will give you some new perspective of, about this. Okay, um, So when Moses and Aaron finally do go and confront Pharaoh, do you know who actually spoke to Pharaoh? Aaron. Contrary to popular belief and all of the movies, do you know who threw their staff on the ground before Pharaoh? It wasn't Moses. It was Aaron. Do you know who it was that waved the staff over the water and turned it into blood? You got it. It was Aaron. You know who took their staff and waved it and had the plague of the frogs fill Egypt? It was Aaron. Did you know that Moses did not command any of the plagues to happen? Not one. Do you know that Moses, uh, Moses, even, so the first three, Aaron did all of the waving of the staff and all of the things and all of the speaking. From that plague on, Aaron walk over here, Moses would whisper in his ear and say, this is the next plague. And then he'd walk out and say, this is what's going to happen to Pharaoh. Moses didn't even talk to Pharaoh. And then, and then Moses didn't make it happen. God would make the plague happen? Did you know that when they went to Mount Sinai, where, where he got the Ten Commandments, that Aaron was up on the mountain in the presence of God? Yet we don't even think about Aaron. We don't think about that. We don't think about the fact that he literally is the reason Moses is able to do everything that he does because he's willing to say yes to God no matter what. Are you willing to say yes? We did that series at the beginning of the year, Available. We sang the song today. Are you available when God says go? Because Moses wasn't. It took Aaron stepping into the situation to say yes to God, to help make every one of these happen. things happen. You know what, uh, what I really think I love about Aaron is that Aaron was not perfect. He made mistakes. How many here have ever made a mistake before in your life? <laughs> in your life, right? 
I actually think this is really something that we can learn, learn from because after all of the things that Aaron has seen and after all of this stuff that, that went so well and seeing God do all of this, leading them out of Egypt, all of this stuff, Aaron still makes mistakes. How quick we are as humans to forget about the goodness of God. God does amazing things in our lives and we get into the next adverse situation and we're so quick to immediately go, well, maybe God's left me behind or maybe that wasn't real or talk ourselves out of the fact that God really is as good as he is. He is good, amen? And he is faithful, amen? He is. So, so here's Aaron and they come down from Mount Sinai. He walks out of the presence of God and Moses has got to go back up and get the Ten Commandments. And while he's up there, you remember what happens? All the people, they say, we want, you know, we want you to make an idol so we can worship it. Like these people who just followed a cloud of fire out of Egypt and watched the sea parted right before that, walked through the bottom of an ocean as God parted the seas so quick to go back to the world. So Aaron, I don't know what he's thinking. He goes, yeah, bring me all the gold and stuff that you have. Because remember, they left Egypt with all this stuff. And he, he melts it down and he makes for them this golden calf. And they start worshiping. And you remember Moses comes down from the mountain. He's like, what are you doing? You know, he smashes the, the Ten Commandments. And he's just, he's losing his mind over it. And so this is maybe even worse, right, is when confronted, Aaron lies about it. He goes, well, I, uh, they asked me. So, you know, we just got the gold and we threw it into the cauldron thing to melt it down. And this cow just appeared. <laughs> Sounds like something a kid would say, right? Like, no, I didn't do that. I didn't shoot a rock into the sliding glass door at the house. No. <laughs> and so he makes this just awful mistake. And then a little bit later, he makes another mistake. And, you know, it's not easy being a middleman not getting the credit. And so there's this moment where Moses does something that Aaron and his sister, their sister, disagree with. And so Aaron, full of pride, says, you're wrong. God can use me as much as you, Moses. And just a total prideful moment. So he has these failings. And you know, actually, just as a side note, this is something that the non-Christian community uses as a weapon against Christianity. They read the Old Testament and they read about these people who, oh yeah, look at, they, you say these are such great people, but look at all the awful things that they did and all these terrible things and all this stuff. So you really want to be part of that faith? You want to be part of something like that? Well, I don't know if you've done this, but if you've done much study of other religions in the world and you read their texts, their religious texts, they take every person and they just glorify them. They could never fail. They're just perfect in every way. How many know that none of us are perfect in every way? One of the things I love the most about the Bible is that it's real. That God didn't hide their mistakes. That Aaron did all these amazing things, but then when he made the mistakes, it's honest with us about the fact that people make mistakes. You, it, he didn't hide Aaron's mistakes, and you don't have to hide your mistakes. You don't have to hide them. What we see in Aaron is an incredible example of what we're supposed to do. Because eventually, took a little while with the golden calf thing, but with the pride thing, he dropped right to his knees and was just like, 
Moses, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I repent. And what we see is that out of repentance comes redemption. If we would take Aaron's example and we would humble ourselves and repent for the things that we know are mistakes, we don't have to worry about them. And a lot of us carry around stuff and say, man, God could never love me for this or that. God, you know, look at all the mistakes I have. Or we try to hide them, but God says, don't hide them. I didn't hide them in in my text that I gave you to live by. I, I didn't hide them. I don't want you to hide them. Just, I want you to just surrender them to me. And so Aaron does this. He, he repents for the, the stuff. He just, he lays it all down. And God sees that and God redeems him. It, it's so cool what, what happens with him. God knows his heart and knows when, when he humbles himself, God grants him forgiveness. And on top of that, God takes him and elevates him to the, the highest position he could be in. He was a Levite. He was going to be a priest. And so God... God says through Moses, he says, well, Aaron is going to be the high priest of the temple. And all these other you know, priests are like, what? No, that's not fair. He does not have qualified. He's messed up. He's done all these different things. And, and Moses just goes, hey, it's in God's hands. And God does this incredible miracle to show everybody that Aaron is the one he chooses. The guy who made some huge mistakes is the one that he chose to lead his church. And he promises Aaron because of his willingness to forgive and his willingness to follow God in every instance, that he'll honor that forever. He said, you will lead my temple and the priests in my temple, for your family will forever. And if, if you didn't know this, uh, more than 2,000 years later, when the temple was destroyed, it was still Aaron's family that was leading God's people. So, I know that Moses was the front guy, but he spent a lot of time telling God no. And even though Aaron didn't get all the notoriety that that we all, you know, he's not famous to everybody. He really lived with a heart for God, even in his shortcomings, even when he messed up. So who do you want to be like, Moses or Aaron? I want to be like Aaron. Moses can have his Ten Commandments. (laughs) I want to be like Aaron. And I want, I want to walk up to God and have him go, well done, my good and faithful servant. You served me with your whole heart. Aaron was a great middleman. Let's be like Aaron. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much again for Aaron, for his life, for the fact that he was willing, willing to do whatever you said to do, obedient to follow Moses because you told him to, to walk through all kinds of adversity, face things that we can't even imagine. Oh God, to to stand before Pharaoh and declare declare the things you wanted him to. God, what an experience it would be to know that the full power of God is standing right behind you in full force. And God, we need to be reminded that it is. That every day your power is right here in us and and working through us. and, And that we don't need to be ashamed of our past or mistakes or things like that. That we can walk boldly in the direction you want us to go. And when you say go, we say okay. When you lead, we choose to follow. And so God, let us be like Aaron. Let us be willing like him. With everybody's eyes closed here, I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here and you've never met Jesus before, you've never asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity. And if you don't know what that means, let me just give you just a, a snapshot of what that is. First off, your life has a purpose. You matter. Your name might not be written in the Bible, 
But God wants to write it in the Lamb's book of life. He wants you to be part of his family. And he has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for you. And it's a good one. In fact, the word says, God says that it'll bring more wholeness and fulfillment to your life than anything else in the world can. No person, no job, no no activity could fulfill you the way that God wants to fulfill you. And in that, you, you also are fulfilling God's plan. Because he has an overall plan for you to fit into that's part of his kingdom plan. But you can't live any of that without making Jesus Lord of your life, without allowing him to lead you every day. And so today you can choose to say, God, I'm going to let you lead. Jesus, I'm going to allow you to be Lord of my life. And so that's partially receiving the promises of God, and it's largely you saying, okay, God, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? And walking that out and watching this, God changes and rearranges and redirects your life. So if you're here and you want that, I want to give you that opportunity. So if you're here and you do, just with everybody's eyes closed, lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they want to make that decision in the service today? probably all believers in here today in the service. Father, thank you for Aaron again. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for the time these ladies uh, have had over this last week. God, let it be lasting. Let it be life-changing, DNA-altering, God. And I pray the same thing for these teenagers at camp. God, again, we want your spirit to go with them and work in them and through them and transform them. So, God, we're excited to see them come back next week so we can celebrate together what God has done in their lives. So, God, just lead us every day. In Jesus' name. Amen. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook. And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.